On The Mic Podcast. This is your host, Tim Drake. On today's episode, I have actor Tom Everett Scott and director John Hams talking about their new film, All Square. Uh, this is a fantastic new film that is going to be debuting at South by Southwest on March 10th. And I really just could not tell you how much Austin and I both loved this film. Uh, we sat down with them over at the new studio space that we're using over at Nerdist. It was so great to talk to them about this film. I cannot express enough how much we love this film. Uh, if you're lucky enough to be down at South by Southwest next month, make sure to get out and see it. Uh, it's just an incredible film starring Michael Kelly, uh, who you've seen in House of Cards. Uh, also, Pamela Ablon uh, is in it. She's incredible. And of course, Tom Everett Scott is in it as well. Uh, you guys will absolutely love this film. I, I, I just cannot express that enough. So get out and see that at South by Southwest. You'll learn a lot about it in this episode. Uh, we really went into, went into a lot of detail. Austin always really dives into a lot of the process when it comes to, uh, to the acting uh, process throughout the films. Uh, of course, that's something that he really wants to learn more and more and more about, and he's so well-versed in it as it is, that it's great to see some of the nuggets that he's able to pull out from some of these filmmakers. And yeah, it was really fun hearing John's take on how he helps the, help the story come out as a director and learning a lot about the screenwriter that put this entire film together. Uh, Tom's character in it is really, he, he only has a handful of scenes, but it, they really make a lot of the film. Uh, just with the subtle nuances and the subtext of his of his scenes. They, they sometimes almost steal the film, and I absolutely loved it. Uh, of course, many of you may know Tom Everett Scott from La La Land, uh, Z Nation, and of course, that thing you do. Uh, yeah, it was great to have him on. I kind of had to, I kind of had to joke with that at the end of the episode because you know, growing up in Utah, we that thing you do was just kind of a, it, it was a cultural classic to everybody there because Utah really likes the clean, fun type of films, and so yeah, that thing you do was something that was always, always there. All my friends had the soundtrack, and so it was fun to kind of talk to him with about that. Uh, towards the end of this. But yeah, we had a great time with John and Tom uh, hearing a lot about their process with All Square, um, as well as they also worked together on Z Nation, hearing a little bit about that, about how Tom got involved with that. And yeah, it was, it was a really fun time. So hope you guys really enjoyed this episode. Make sure you get out and see it at South by Southwest. We'll have the links up on the website as well. So if there are still tickets available, you'll be able to get on and purchase those. Again, that's March 10th. Um, is when it premieres, and then there'll be a few other dates as well uh, down in Austin, Texas, so make sure you go and check that out. Thank you again to Tom and John for stopping by, sitting down with us. Um, it, just a heads up, there may be a little bit of audio issues. We found out towards the end that there was a little bit of mic issues with Austin's mic, uh, so I apologize in advance uh, as we kind of go through this. We'll try and get it cleaned up as best possible. Uh, but they did kind of forewarn us that there may have been some mic issues um, while we were recording, so fingers crossed that it sounds all good. Again, We'll do the best to kind of clean that up. Uh, but hope you guys enjoy this episode with Tom Everett Scott, John Hammes. Go see All Squared at South by Southwest. Enjoy this episode. So I'm, I'm excited that both of you guys were able to, to make this out. So I know when I was talking to your publicist, I was like, are both of them in LA? Because I'd love to have both of them in studio. Yeah. So I, I was glad that both of you guys were able to make it. And hopefully, hopefully the traffic wasn't too much of a bear to, to get down here. Not bad. I was coming from Glendale, actually. So not bad. Nice. We'll see what it's like going back. <laughs> <laughs> that, that can be quite the haul. I, I kind of live out that way. So it's, it's always a fun little trek back to, towards Glendale. Yeah, yeah, no problem for me. Used <laughs> ways. Oh, see that that that's the trick that most people forget about. Yeah. 
<laughs> so, well, I mean, we're, we're here to talk about your guys' film, All Square, that's uh, it's coming out South by Southwest in two weeks now, is it? Yes, two weeks from now. So yeah. is, the, is the film part the first part, and then the music part of South by Southwest that's is right. the second? Yeah. So I've, I've only ever been there for the music part of it, and so I've always wanted to go for the film part, and then they're like, no, we don't want you there for that. And I'm like, all right, <laughs> fine. <laughs> uh, this is... This is my second time at South by. Uh, last time I did it was 2006, so it was a while ago. That was, was with that a, with Rank, the documentary nice. I did, and um, it was it was a uh, it was cool. It was a fun festival. It's actually the fourth movie that I have premiered in Austin at a festival. Really? Because I did a couple at Fantastic Fest. Okay. And then these two at at uh, at South by and South by. I think it's even grown since I was there last, but I guess it's. You know, it seems like uh, certainly, like you say, it started out more as the music thing, but I think the film part of it has even gotten bigger. Yeah, it, it definitely has. I mean, you see a lot of films that they might premiere at Sundance and not hit as big there, and then they go to South by and they just explode at South by. And I mean, it's such a different audience between the two. I feel like that you get a lot more of almost kind of the hipstery vibe from South it by that like, grabs uh, them. <laughs> South by is kind of like Sundance and Slamdance mix. Yeah. 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 In big and small films, a lot of short films that a lot of people probably wouldn't see at like bigger festivals will be at South by. Is that, I think, I think you're right. I think that Austin, from what I've noticed, it has, it has like deep indie movie roots from like Linklater and Rodriguez and that whole thing. But, but it also has deep kind of, genre movie roots because i think that began with ain't it cool news and this whole kind of film community that started up in austin so they have a very they have a great like movie like movie lover fan base there but it's also not a snobby uh audience it's like they love horror and sci-fi and action like they love fantastic fest that whole alamo draft house thing i love the draft created there and then they have, again, South By, which is both music and movies. So I think that the, 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 what's cool about Austin, unlike, say, Sundance, for instance, is not really about the Utah community. It's about everyone coming there. So it's, right. it, yeah. Whereas, like, South By is very much about the kind of Austin film scene and people come there, but it has its own kind of scene onto itself it's a better destination to be honest than well, going to sundance oh it absolutely is. I mean, I mean, yeah. we've both we've both have been to sundance many times and it's i i missed it this year and part of me was like oh i'm so sad to miss that but then i was like but i didn't have to drive up the canyons so. <laughs> right well yeah i mean i think that uh when we made this movie i i always felt you know they were always talking about oh we want to see the sundance movie this that i always thought i think this is a south by movie i really said that when we started trying to get the movie made because it just it's an inherently american movie it is also it's got a little bit of a 70s movie vibe to it yeah. uh, but one that doesn't take when i say 70s movie i mean like slap shot and bad news bears you know it doesn't take itself overly seriously and it's i think yeah, yeah and i think that 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 film community is is the right place to show something like that how long ago did you guys uh, did you shoot this summer Really? Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a quick edit. It was well. I mean, I guess it is. It it, it was. Um, yeah, the whole thing. It's the fastest thing that's ever come together that I've been a part of, and it was all. Everyone involved with this is, we're all close friends with each other, and it's so the writer Tim Brady, he wrote this script. He wrote it, 
now I guess probably a couple years ago. Yeah. And we all read it and loved it. Um, it's really back, back then. And... Yeah, when he wrote it back then, it was the first feature screenplay he'd written, and uh, I thought it was fantastic. I loved the character, mm-hmm. the whole thing. It, it just thought it was hilarious and and had a lot of heart and all those things, and. So I said to him, look, any way I can help you get this made, I would love to if you want me to get it to an agent and get it out and see if, uh, you know, if you want to get it to Alexander Payne, whatever you need. Um, At the same time, Michael Kelly, who's a great friend of ours as well, and great, these are both great friends of Tom's, um, we all go way back. Michael was saying the same thing to him, trying to help him get it made any way he could, showing it to his manager, showing it around town. And, mm-hmm. and so it had a little life going around town. And then it just started to very much around this time last year, we kind of got to a place where, well, we actually probably could raise a little bit of money and all just go make it ourselves right now. Um, we all have a little window. Mike was on a hiatus from House of Cards. I was, it was in between things for me. And very quickly, Millhouse and Paperclip, which are two companies that financed the movie and produced it, they became involved. And uh, we went, it was sort of decided in March that we were going to do it. And we were shooting in May. Wow, that, yeah, that's a fast turnaround. <laughs> yeah, or maybe June, May or June, something like that. It was all just happened super fast. Now, you said this was his first screenplay? It's uh, his first feature screenplay. Wow. Yeah. He's written other things. We've all loved his writing over the years and have all wanted to be somehow getting his stuff made in some capacity. And uh, it's great that this was the first one, a feature. Has he written any any theater work? Yes. Okay, I, I could tell. He yes, very much. And had it performed in New York at a uh, Fringe Festival. Yep, he's done. He's done it uh, multiple times. Had plays in Fringe Festival, and he's and you're right. It is very much a theater yeah. writer, and yeah. he's written like, you know, uh, half hour kind of sitcom things and specs and all that kind of stuff. This was the first time he applied it to the long form, and I think that was one of the challenges of the movie was. Because his voice and mentality is very much as a playwright, I believe. Mm -hmm. And so it was allowing this to be what it was, which was a dialogue-driven character piece. Yeah, totally. And yeah, I love that it's not afraid of dialogue. I feel like so many movies nowadays are, they're afraid to let a scene sit for a minute and just let some people talk at a table or or wherever and let let it develop and, you know, let these characters talk for a minute and not have to move so much and have so much filmed, you know? That's right. I mean, I think that was, and for me, that was a, that was a test because that's, it's, that's not normally the kind of things that I'm, I've been involved with much more genre type of things that are more, they involve, they're more technical and, and more visual. constructions and visual storytelling. And this one was like, well, but this is Tim, about letting characters talk. And Tim likes to talk. <laughs> he likes to talk. I mean, really, Tim's best writing is on our uh, fantasy football email chain where he basically loses friends every week by insulting <laughs> yeah. the hell out it of everybody. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 we love to hate him. Yeah, that's kind of his finest work, really. It is. I, I, lo- I loved it how, I mean, some of the scenes, and we won't say too much because we don't want to spoil any of it, but there were some scenes, there's one between you and Michael early on in the film where the first one yeah the very first one (laughs) that even just the way you kind of let the two of them play out just with the looks that michael's giving you 
it like you can almost feel the uncomfortableness, oh, but yeah. it's saying there's so much subtext behind all of it. <laughs> the subtext is strong. Oh, it, 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 it's, it's, it's beautiful. It's one of those where it's, it's a conversation about something that the conversation isn't about. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, it was about understanding the relationship between those two people, where it serves the story at that point, and then just letting it play out and kind of getting uh, John letting us, you know, have like, yeah, not improv because we stuck to the script, but there was. Um, there was a sense of like playing with that. Oh, I mean, you and you did a lot of. I mean, every take you you took it a lot of different directions. It was that was with your character in general. I think we had a lot of. <clears throat> excuse me, you gave us a lot of options and choices, and there was a degree of looseness that you were applying, which was great. Every every take was like, you went different directions with it. But but the the, essentially the idea of your character that was fun to do like what you're saying is. To have a character who's basically lying or full of it or co covering something <laughs> up, but being so – trying to be – Just wants to uh, be your best friend. Yeah, trying to be a nice guy <laughs> in the process. And, and there was something – that's always funny to me is watching people squirm and lie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, and you yeah. get it. The first – as soon as he pulls up, he doesn't even have to say anything. Just your look at him is like you know exactly what their relationship yeah. is. Right. <laughs> yeah, the body language, everything. So. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it, that 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 scene was different than any of the other scenes that I had to do as that character. That the, the character's other scenes are more about what he does, which is analyze sports, and this was just him in a real moment where yeah, he was very uncomfortable. Right, he's, he's just getting busted. Mm -hmm. When you prepare for a scene, do you like to come into it with a couple different options, or do you kind of have one way and then you figure those out as it, as it goes along and uh, not like improvise, but you know uh, sometimes inspiration happens in, in the moment with the other actor. Yeah, um, versus when you're preparing it, I know for myself that like you go into a scene and sometimes you have this idea of what it's going to be and you're like, ah, and then you get there and start filming it and it's nothing like you thought. And... I think it depends on the situation and in this particular one, I wanted to first of all make sure that it was cool with Tim and John, you know, with their vision of what they wanted it to be. Mm -hmm. And of course, you know, we're all friends. We all really love the collaboration. So everyone, of course, you know, we were all on board and we all kind of ran some ideas around. Uh, what we would say is great to have options. It's great to, you know, nail the one that is your favorite. And then when you got that, just try some other stuff because mm. you're there. Why not? And um, and it's it's fun to, um, yeah, just uh, play within the parameters of the scene and just sometimes not even know what you're going to say if you've got enough of, the good, you know, the takes that you're pretty sure you want. It's fun to go in and just kind of figure stuff out, which is what we were doing. We were kind of doing stuff on the fly there. Oh, yeah, for yeah. sure. I mean, I think it was... And and I think for that it was just like, don't be afraid to do a bad take. Just yeah. just tr something funny is going to come up, and something <laughs> honest will come up within that. And I think that was what I actually loved about that scene. Really, for me, the most was at the very end. You have this very kind of honest, painful moment <laughs> where you say you're going to leave you're going to leave an envelope for him, and it's uh, and it and it was uh, you know I just thought you're. The way you played that was beautiful because it's it's like it's you're this you're kind of put on the spot you're embarrassed you're ashamed yeah. but you're also you know yeah, being a weasel. <laughs> <laughs> completely, completely. And we played it a couple different ways. We played it more weasely, but you, I think that, that was that last. More thing weasel, we more weasel. <laughs> <laughs> 
Those scenes are tricky because they're like they're not a big deal in the movie, and but if they're if they're not done well, they stick out like a sore thumb in a way where it's like I didn't believe that that interaction. Yeah. But it's a it's a very subtle scene. It's not anything that. You know, it's not the climax of the movie or something that's very, like, super emotionally charged, but it's very important, you know, as far, again, with character development and whatnot. And so those scenes can be tricky, just those little simple ones where... I, I agree. And... and I think that this movie was a challenge all around as a, a tonal balance because in some ways it can be quite comedic and sometimes almost bordering on broad. Yeah. And then it can be quite serious at other times. And it was kind of marrying those tones together so that they could all live in this one story. And I think the way, the, at least the way I thought that we could achieve that best was by keeping it subjective in that if if the feeling of this is always still very much from the perspective of Michael Kelly's character – then even when even when what's happening is sometimes you know very dark you're always it's always being filtered through this kind of laid back glib perspective mm-hmm. that that keeps you back on track and lets you know that 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 it's still okay to be laughing at this stuff yeah. even when it goes off the rails one thing i really loved about about the movie is that it doesn't ever feel like it's trying very hard it's just like it's very it, it, like the parts that are comedic and the, and like you said bouncing that drama and comedy um which can be very hard sometimes uh, i feel like there's a lot of dramas that they, you can tell when a movie's trying to be funny and it's trying to like bump stuff and wink at the camera a little <laughs> yeah a little like too knotted too heavy-handed but this it just like moments kind of it's a very like moment to moment kind of film where it's like you're not sure if this is funny or dramatic but you're enjoying it and it, yeah it's it's really fun flow of uh it just never felt like it was really um trying too hard to be one thing it was just a very nuanced it was like a natural yeah. view of living living life in that you really moment felt like, yeah you're just taking a little peek at someone's life yeah that's that's the goal and i think to your point is also to try i tried to make sure that we weren't like cutting two jokes or cutting around jokes you know it's mm. like here's a joke and now here's the reaction and, yeah, that's and, and like uh-huh. milk it like let the let the humor just kind of play and 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 kind of again don't like try to like shine a light on it exactly yeah and and i think to me that's the funniest stuff is it, or the, the stuff i like the most is when that's why letting things play in masters where the characters are interacting together in the shot so there's that a lot as well yeah these two shots and and everything like that and just letting it like the the scene with the with you and Michael Kelly the, that we were talking about a minute ago, um, you do you do eventually cut into coverage on it. But I remember like yeah, it stays the, wide for the, most the, of it. Yeah, the initial bit when he's like rolling in, it's like him in the truck, back to you, and then just like that that two shot of both of them at the cars. Yeah, like, struggling like, with the TV. Yeah, and it's also and... yeah, cutting you know hurts tension whether that's comedic or dramatic, and so it's really nice letting it letting it sit for a bit. Right, that so physical cool. comedy yeah plays better in a wide you know you want to see people struggling and <laughs> yeah. in one. In one frame. Yeah, let them let see them react to each other. Keep that tension, as you say. The cut releases the tension one way or the other. So how long can you keep it? And that's always your challenge. Uh, you don't want to bore people, or you don't want to make them restless. But you also don't want to be 
in in the case of this, you don't always want to be telling everyone how they should be feeling at all times. Exactly, and I love that. I love when when film or theater isn't telling people what they should be. And that's kind of the, the shining the light on stuff, I feel like. It's like, right. this is funny, you should be laughing here, or this is dramatic. It's just... You're not, you, you know, not not drawing attention to, to certain things. I think taking two certain actors that are in there and not and, and taking them out of the the normal light that they would be in, like Pamela Adlon. Right. Everyone's used to seeing her so much in the comedy aspect, and instead of letting her just kind of be a dramatic character that's going through shit and just kind of it is it is her life. Yeah, and I think that she's, you know, I I think that what I really liked about just what Tim had on the page with her is that she's a character right off the bat that you almost think of as a, as a punchline. She seems almost two dimensional. She's like drunk, you know, woman in the bar, old ex-girlfriend. And by the end of it, she actually is, it's almost like at the beginning, we're judging her the way he might. And by the end, she's actually, you know, is, is a three dimensional character who makes sense and is actually able to kind of turn the tables on him and, and point to him and say, you're actually not really going about things the right way. You, who are you to judge me, in a sense? Yeah, right. that's a very tricky character to play as well. It was, uh, like you said, uh, there's an, an initial uh, judgment that the audience kind of gets off of her in that, that first scene. Um, but as, it, you know, as the film develops and the characters develop, um, you know, it's just a, it's again, another fine line between that, like, this is it, not funny, I guess, because it's never, she's never, like, trying to be funny, but that comedic element to her and in the, like, dramatic setting, just, it worked so well um, with, yeah, just with the uh, with the development of the of the movie, and it's just, uh, I know those kinds of characters are really difficult. She's play, a very heightened so. character when you've got somebody that's trying to play it and that's, act like, like Michael's character. Is. Exactly, yeah. and, and that's why I wanted Pam. You know, because we had talked about from the get-go different actresses who could play that role, and some names were thrown out there of fantastic, dramatic actresses. And my feeling was, I don't want someone who's going to make us uh, pity this person or even feel overly sorry for this person. I want someone who, and that's what Pamela came to my mind, someone who kind of will have the power in the scene no matter what. Regardless of what, regardless of who her character is, she's going to take it to him. You know, Michael's a much more reactive. You know, he's going to play it very low key. We needed someone who was going to kind of dominate the scenes with him, and that was yeah, that's a, yeah. she was sort of my first choice, and we were real lucky to get her. Yeah. And, you know, we, it, the only reason we got her is because of, and the only reason anything happened in this movie was because of relationships. I mean, Tom is friends with her. Michael had spoken to her a couple times so anyone who's in this movie we not nobody got paid none of us got any money so it was all about people either wanted to do this with mike this was because strictly passion this was either people who respected michael and wanted to work with him people who loved the script or people that we were friends with and i should include josh lucas in that josh is an old buddy of ours you know, we all... Remember. I always just think of Josh Lucas as not Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> he, he's, he was... Uh, I think he was that guy for, at, at the beginning, for sure. He had to... He, which, is, uh, which is fine that, you know, we should all be so lucky as to have that. Our, our, uh, what would people think of us? But uh, We're fortunate because we have this group of friends that we 
you know, been together for, I mean, since, I mean, for a long time. John and I went to school together. We, we met in New York. Um, and it's this whole group that you can put together a movie in a, in a group. Yeah. And it's about time we, you know, I mean, we, we've done this a bunch of times, me and John, but it was great to get Josh involved, to have Michael involved, to have all those guys. How did Yardley Smith get involved? And Yardley is friends. Uh, she was she was a fan okay. of Michael. She's, yeah. And, and he had, I mean, he bumped her into her at some event or whatever it was. And, I mean, by the way, she's one of the financiers of the movie. Yeah. So she's paperclip, um, along with being having a little role in it. But she had, uh, she's she, not Millhouse. She, no, she's a paper. <laughs> no, she's not Millhouse. No, the other, she. I know you would think that's a Simpsons name, right? Yeah, yeah. It's a. It's a weird. Actually, that's kind oh of. Oh my a, god, my mind is blown. It is. It's funny. I, I honestly had to look it up because I was like, oh, did she like intentionally name? It? I then thought, when I realized it wasn't, I was like, oh. <laughs> well, I mean, you can ask Jordan Millhouse is Jordan Foley and Jonathan Rosenthal. That's their company. And Tim Brady knew Jordan. They came up with half the money. Uh, Yardley and Michael had met a couple times. Yardley had her company, Paperclip, with her, which is her and Ben Cornwell. And she had told Michael she'd love to work. She'd love to do something with him. So event, when that time around last March rolled around, Michael called her up and said, hey, I think I got something that we can work on. Now, Jordan Foley, who is Milhouse. And we'd have to ask him this. He's a crazy Simpsons fan. Yeah. And he's encyclopedic about it. So that's probably why they named that Millhouse, but I don't know. <laughs> wow. You'd have to ask him. So, so like he, I never even asked him how psyched he was to I think do he, a project with her. Yeah. And we got to go to a Simpsons table read, that which was, was oh, really amazing. cool. Yeah, was <laughs> I don't really know if anyone's done that. That's an experience. During San Diego Comic Con this last year, uh, Matt Greening always does uh, during the Simpsons panel. An episode. He, he well, he shows part of the episode, but when you go up and ask him a question, he gives you a gift. Oh, and sometimes it's a hand drawn that he does right there on the stage. Wow. And I was like, I am. I had a good question that I'm saving now for this next year. <laughs> but they, I got in line and they asked the f- uh, first five of us. They were like, "We have something special we want you to do," and I was like, "Okay." Like, I'm fine with this. And it was to actually ask Bart a question. And Nancy Cartwright was just behind, uh, or was backstage while they animated, like, her. So I got to ask Bart Simpson a question. (laughs) And, but then part of me was like, wait, I wanted the gift from Matt. Like, (laughs) (laughs) but it was, it was still, it's crazy though to talk to some of them when, if you're a big Simpsons fan, it's just like, oh my God, like, oh yeah. I mean, you you make that voice. (laughs) uh, Dan Castellaneta was there when we were, he's incredible. Oh my God. Do they do the voices while they're doing the table read? They absolutely do them. And and the interesting thing, and Yardley told me this, is that she's really the only one who is basically using her own voice. Like, you know, Homer and all them, that's complete. He sounds nothing like that. Right. So, and he was doing several voices. Oh, he's so talented. He was brilliant. And Hank Azaria is like on speakerphone in the middle of the table. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and there's a big, like, it's an event. There's like, I don't know, like 40 or 50 people there, there. <laughs> watching, you know, all these people get invited. And that's insane. It was cool. That's cool. It's, it's one of my goals. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, it's worth going to. It was pretty amazing. So now you mentioned that you guys have you guys have kind of gone way back. What was the first project? I know both of you had worked on Z Nation, right? We did uh, Z Nation. So uh, did you guys do that together? Yeah. Yeah. He, he, uh, it was a really funny story because I was trying to get together 
uh, either like a you know like a poker game or people getting together. John said, "Well, I can't make it that day because I'm going to be up in uh, Spokane, Washington, doing a, a zombie uh, series." And I said, "Oh, well, uh, you know, let me know if you need any zombies because you know <laughs> I can use the work." And you know, we laughed and stuff. And then um, I picked up my son from school. He's in the back seat. Uh, John was on speakerphone. He called me and he said, "Hey, I know you know we we're like kidding around and stuff, but I actually pitched you." to the to the z nation people for this six episode arc and i said okay and he said you know i'm gonna send you the scripts and it basically he, he ran it down for me what was going to happen and so i said sure i'll read it and i hung up and from the back seat my son said dad you gotta do it <laughs> was like, you, you pitched this amazing zombie apocalypse story and i was like ah, i gotta go kill zombies I guess. <laughs> yeah that was really fun i mean because i yeah. was up there I was supposed to just do the first two episodes, but then uh, Carl Schaefer, who's the creator, and he, that season one, he kind of just kept me around doing more episodes, and so I was able to, uh, I was able to do Tom's uh, zombie death, which was, or his death, and then turning into zombie, that was, that was pretty fun. It was, I felt like we had that moment (laughs) that we've had several times where we're talking about a character, and we're in, like, the wardrobe meeting, and you know what I mean? Like, John and I have built a few characters together, and, uh, yeah, this is, this was a fun one. Yeah, you got to, you had to bring me to life, and then you got to kill me. And then you, and then you had to be a zombie, and and attack somebody, (laughs) which was so, the only good part about it was that I was... I was like 50 yards away because I was would have I was laughing so hard and I would have ruined every take. I'm I'm notorious for laughing and ruining takes, and that that one I definitely would have. There's a lot of that in these movies. <laughs> is that it's like almost the goal is to make your friends laugh without even in a serious moment in a film. Like in almost every single one of I would say every single one of your projects, a name from one of our group of friends is mentioned as a character in each project. Right, right. But it'll be a serious moment. Like, I don't want to give away the one. Well, this one has an amazing one. It has an amazing one, (laughs) but I don't want to give it away. Like putting your buddies as character names that are going to, in this case, take the most dramatic moment of the movie. Is, is now a complete joke to all of us. To the people who know who the person's (laughs) name is. Like like on Z Nation, Patient Zero you named him Brendan Doyle. Right. He's a good buddy of ours. So if you were watching it and all of a sudden Brendan Doyle's name comes up as Patient Zero, it just would make our group laugh. So in the movie, All Square, at a very dramatic moment, some name is going to be said and it's going to take all yeah. I've got. <laughs> and it's, <laughs> and it's, it, it is, it's your father-in-law. Yes. The name is, his, is, is Tom's father-in-law, who and we all know we well. We all know him. <laughs> It'll be screening at South by, and it'll be like the, the whole audience it's will, the be, will be in yeah. it, you yeah. know, and then they'll get this one laugh from the back. Like, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like, what? what was that about? It, I, I think at South by, it might get a bunch of laughs. A lot. Because <laughs> yeah. a bunch of us are going to be there Stifled, and I laughing. <laughs> yeah, Brendan Doyle, who is patient zero in Z Nation, he's actually in All Square. Um, yes, he is. If you remember, there's a scene at the uh, one of the Little League games where we kind of are tracking past all the degenerate gamblers in the crowd. A lot of those guys. So we've had a, uh, (laughs) most of us are friends, Tom and I from before that, but most of us are friends because of this weekly poker game we used to play in New York. And we call it big money Wednesday at Michael Kelly's place at Michael Kelly's place. And Josh was part of that. Tim Brady was a part of that. Andrew Sicking, who plays the, the co Andrew Sicking, who I go, known since I was a kid, but he was one of the original guys in that card game. He's the, the, the coach who's always yelling at his son and screaming at everybody. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, gotcha. So 
we've all we all played in this poker game that was every week in in New York. I mean, every literally every Wednesday. I mean, maybe if Christmas was on a Wednesday, we we would hold off a week. Yeah, but, but it, it was every week. It was consistent, and uh, so when we we basically for one day of shooting, or we brought a whole bunch of those guys to Baltimore. So that that group of degenerate gamblers in the crowd, a bunch of them are the guys from our poker game, <laughs> and uh, and Brendan Doyle is actually he really sticks out because he wore like a real brightly covered kind of golf outfit. He's like you can see him in a bright red shirt and a like kind of blue cap, and he's he great. he's holding a radar gun. We gave him. Oh a radar. yeah, yeah, yeah. I started, yeah. Laughing. I started yeah. laughing when I saw the radar yeah. gun because I was just like, I was like. I can see somebody sitting there doing it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That was funny. That was one of the best parts was to be able to get those those degenerate gamblers in our movie. Yeah. I, I know a great group of guys. They're perfect. Exactly. We know some degenerates. The radar gun was actually, I remember when I, I grew up in Los Angeles and we had like a local little league and there was one team, they were the Angels, and they – were better than everybody else. And it was because they had this guy who was the coach who was obsessed. He was like one of these, he's like something out of this movie, like one of these guys who's taking it way too seriously, who's like uh -huh. having kids stay at his house who live in another district so they could be in the oh district. And his team had like a pitching machine uh -huh. and they all had like team jackets and cleats. And he was, he was a, you know, a maniac. Jeez. And uh, but his team was great. Yeah. And when they would do tryouts, he would sit behind the backstop with a radar gun. <laughs> <laughs> and we're talking like ten year olds. Yeah. <laughs> I, I remember seeing. I mean, you played more little league Sports than I did. I remember yeah. seeing that growing up that there would be the parent there that that yeah. was clocking that. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I had some friends who's. Uh, one buddy in particular, his dad got tossed from a couple games, like got oh, elevated yeah. to fist fights. You know. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Parents get so heated when their yeah. kids are involved. And some kids. Or in money's involved. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're, yeah. they're, they're ripping into the blue. Oh. Yeah. Oh man, it's so that was funny. Brutal. In the movie too. Come on, blue. <laughs> yeah. Come on, blue. Like You're killing me. Yeah. I mean, that to me, that was one of the most fun things about this story. It was just kind of like going right at that whole culture of like mm -hmm. of obsessed little league parents and then like taking it to another level which Tim did with this idea of of the you know the taking bets on little league and and that just kind of amplifying where this adult world kind of collides with a kids world and how how that goes and that's why our kind of opening scene with the you know sort of a microcosm of the whole story with the cigarette on the mound and all that mm -hmm. stuff of mm -hmm. just an, an adult element being in like the, the kids world, so to speak. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and just seeing, and, and yeah, seeing how, seeing how, you know, it, it's, and it's a very much about like misguided kind of male, you know, it's, it's about <laughs> misguided male mentality mm -hmm. of, and, and I think, you know, so I think in, on a on a thematic or serious level, whatever you want to say, is that I just do think that at least Tim's script in the movie does look at some of the 
some of these moments that we've all had, like the embarrassing, you know, parent just chewing out their kid, mm -hmm. you know, at a game or after a game that is so insignificant, but it's being such an <laughs> incredible a-hole because yeah, you're... It should be about fun and about, you know, yeah, it shouldn't be so serious. <laughs> right, but we all, even as parents, you know, we're all guilty on some level of tying up our own, whatever our right. own kind of, whatever we imagine ourselves being and then trying to live out again through our kids. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah parents living vicariously through their kids, you know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think yeah. that's why my dad hates me. But... <laughs> <laughs> right. And it's such a great uh, uh, script uh, as far as the, the structure of putting the main character right into, uh, pun intended, the, the ball game of what's a source subject of, uh, won't say what, because that's part of the character development, but of what that character's past is, you know, you, you get from early on through conversations he's got there's something there to his past that we, that will that, co that develops and, and comes to fruition um, but just the uh, putting someone into a place where that's like their worst nightmare but is you got this friendship with this little kid and uh, he's he's willingly putting himself I guess back into an element that's kind of like something you would think you, you wouldn't want to be about, yeah you know? you're right and and what the movie is ultimately literally about is about a guy who's on track to become his father and make the mistakes of his father on every level and and as we said this isn't about this isn't like scrooge this isn't about like a bad dude becoming a great guy this is about a character just moving one millimeter in the right direction you know that that's enough that's enough change to be celebrated and you know as we said like can you swear on this thing yeah i was thinking like the tagline of the movie is kind of like it's the story of an asshole who learns to just be kind of a dick basically <laughs> yeah 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 wow they could there have is a carte dick. blanche <laughs> you said any curse word you wanted just then and no, you know, an I'll just with that <laughs> we'll just try and put that on the poster <laughs> So I, I I know we've kind of got to start wrapping things up here. So, but I know I know our listeners would hate me if I did not ask you, Tom, about that thing you do. They would hate you. They would hate me if I did not uh, ask. Well, then I guess. So I don't want them. Uh, <laughs> Your dad already hates you. My dad already hates me. Too. So, but I mean, both of us grew up in Utah, and <laughs> that thing you do is. One of the big films for Utah because it is a family friendly really? film. Okay, okay. Yeah. So yeah, it's. I was gonna say like, why is it? Uh, yeah, okay. it, it's it's because it's a family friendly film and has and has that you know happy soundtrack to it. Right. So when when it comes to you know kind of being a cultural phenomenon in a way, having a film like that, how do you transition into roles like in All Square or in Z Nation, and some of that? I don't know. I mean, I guess um, uh, every role is different. And um, one of the great things about uh, that thing you do being so early on in my career is that the, you know, the director, Tom Hanks, was, um, you know, one of the first people to give me great advice. You know, and I always take part of that with me in, in every role, you know, the things that, that he taught me just about film acting, you know, just less is more and, you know, that kind of thing. So it was extremely influential. You know, there's no role I take going forward from that film that doesn't have a little, you know, something, yeah. you know, where I take 
But Tom Hanks didn't realize what a degenerate Tom is, but we actually know that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. He will hopefully won't see this movie. It'll change his image of me forever. Do, do people still come up to you to this day and recognize you from that thing you do? A lot of people do. A lot of people think they just know me. You know, like I'll go into a store for the first time and they'll say, oh, you're back. And I'll be like, oh, I you know. I just have a recognizable <laughs> face, you know. Um, but yeah, yeah, mostly that thing you do. That, that that's amazing. It, it was it was a film that as a kid, kind of changed my world when I first saw it. Cause I was just like, that's did what you, I want to do. Did you play music after that? I did. So I, I I remember getting the soundtrack for it, and I had some drumsticks in my room, even though I was not a drummer. So, but I would sit there and and I would put on the glasses, and I and no. I would sit there wow. and, and drum along on my bed. Wow. So and yeah, it was, it was always one of those that's that just cool. that just stuck with me. So it was. <laughs> Yeah, you know it. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. It's a universal beat. It is. Really. Yeah. It goes to many songs. Uh, yeah, it, 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 it was a film that, that has stuck with me forever. And I, I, I kept telling Austin, I was just like, you have to. Somehow he has not seen that. I haven't movie. seen it. Oh, and when, yeah, when well, he said that changes that, everything. Yeah, when, when, when he you said that to, to me, I was, like, watch it. I, was like, How, I was like, how did you grow up in Utah and not see that thing you do? It played on rotation at my house like yeah yeah it should be on right now on some channel i'm sure yeah, it is but that it. that yeah. movie does kind of hold up fantastically well somehow yeah it's yeah. like you watch it now and it is it, you know there's certain movies of your childhood and that's not of our childhood and not of mine but but i, I can see how childhood. that's i can see how that is one of those movies that just kind of will will last it ages yeah. well i wonder if that's i wonder if some of that's because of it being a period piece itself and Maybe. it's also just you know like super high quality like people in every department you know with the tak fujimoto is the dp and sure. you know tom of course is this incredible talent who wrote this really cool story and the, just and the like, cast i mean think of that cast yeah. Charlize yeah. theron and yeah. Liv tyler and yeah. steve zahn and you and exactly you it, know, it's one of the only group. films that i have watched a director's cut of that i was like Oh no! I needed the director's cut because oh, so yeah. often there's you see a director's cut and it's like, yeah, I get why that was edited out. That was that, that was useless. <laughs> but it was one of those where I kept going, oh, that's how. I mean, there was so much goodness to it that I was like, yeah, oh, that, that actually I, added to the film. <laughs> I think I saw that first cut, uh, and it's like over three hours long. And it and I remember thinking like, how can any of this be cut? But you know, they had to get it down because there's that whole thing with Charlize Theron's character in the dentist yeah. that just goes. You know, it just kind of happens. <laughs> yeah, but it, it explains that it even explains some of the this is Spartacus that. Oh yeah, yeah, that yeah, was exactly. kind of chopped out. My dating with Charlize is much more. There's a lot more of it. Yeah, there's a lot of making out with Charlize that's in the director's. Yeah, game. there is. Yeah, <laughs> that my friends saw and they were like, "Whoa!" You know, because my wife was with me. We were together back then, and they were like, "Holy crap! How did she put up with that?" <laughs> <laughs> I remember reading the script and saying, "Who's playing Tina?" Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, just some movie. nobody, yeah. some <laughs> slouch. Exactly. You'll never hear of her again. Yeah. Yes, no, don't worry about it. So I appreciate She's you not pretty. taking the... Taking, <laughs> not at all. Not some hideous creature. Yeah. Well, oh, I appreciate well. you guys taking the time to come down here. Um, and so All Square, it premieres South by Southwest on March 10th. Uh, March 10th, uh, Saturday night at the Zach Theater. It's a 7 p.m. screening. So that's our, that's our big one, big party afterwards. And then it plays that Tuesday and that Thursday following as well. Awesome, perfect. We'll have the we'll have the links up on on the website as well, so people Great. can go there and even even get tickets if they're still 
Still any available. I know Sundance tickets are usually gone months before it even Well, we'll premieres, give out my phone so. number, and if they want to call <laughs> me, I'm going to scalp a few. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then that's, a big, that's a big theater, that, the Zach. That, that's one of the bigger ones, so uh, probably yeah. still some tickets available. Perfect. Definitely check it out. I, this movie was it was very, very good, and I wish more movies like this were made. But yeah. It was, it was, it was Both of us we were texting each other yesterday, and we are just like, holy shit, like, yeah. we did not expect... What we got out of not, not enough movies <laughs> cool. that, are, that are in this the same like time frame budget are, are made these days, and it, it's kind of a bummer because I feel like there's there's a good that, the '70s film that you brought up earlier that it has that vibe, and it's that's what I love is movies that it's got heart and soul and a story, and it's not like just a bunch of stuff thrown at people. Yeah, and, and, yeah, it's yeah. Just, it just has heart. It has a lot of heart to it, and yeah, it's it's really good. Good man. Glad you guys liked it. Glad Appreciate liked it. it. Yeah, well, thank yeah. you guys. Well, thanks yeah. for having yeah. us. Thanks for having us. All right, take it easy.